Chapter 10 Paths to Perdition Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. Two classes of people are in this audience those who are on the narrow road that leads to life, and those who are on some other path that makes up the one broad road that leads to perdition, eternal perdition. Some people say, let's go with the crowd. Well, if you go with the crowd, you will go to hell. Listen again to the words of Jesus Christ. Scripture, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. A fool tries to avoid danger by shutting his eyes to it, the method by which modern universalists and modern infidels try to escape hell. They shut their eyes to it, or deny its existence. A wise man avoids danger by opening his eyes wide, and getting out of the paths that lead to the danger. I will advocate that method from this platform tonight. I am sometimes said to be a man without mercy, or a man without a sweet and forgiving nature, because I tell you plainly the peril you are in. Friends, I do not want any of those wonderfully merciful people around me who reveal their sweet and forgiving nature by throwing sand into my eyes and trying to make me think I am safe when I am in grave and imminent peril. The man who points out my sins and my peril is my best friend and my kindest friend. The man who flatters and deceives me is my worst foe and my cruelest foe. Delilah coddled Samson while she bound him for his foes. That is what these so-called liberal-minded preachers are doing. God forbid that for the sake of popularity I should join them in their damnable work of destroying unwary souls. I shall therefore point out to you with plain speech some of the paths that lead to perdition, in the hope that at least some of you who are walking in these paths will get out of them before you leave this building. Suicide The shortest path to perdition, the straightest and quickest road there, is suicide. Judas Iscariot took this road, and the Bible tells us that he went to his own place, Acts chapter 1, verse 25. If anyone wants to be in perdition in a few hours, let him take an overdose of morphine or bichloride of mercury. If he wants to be there in a few minutes, let him take carbolic acid. If he wants to be there in a second, let him blow his brains out. There is little hope in the hereafter for a person who commits suicide, unless he is truly insane and irresponsible for his foolish and wicked act. I do not know how many men and women have told me that they intended to commit suicide. To each one I have said, You will go to hell if you do. I have no doubt that my words were true. To anyone in this audience who is being swept away by the epidemic of suicide that is engulfing us and is contemplating solving the mystery of eternity in that way, I wish to tell you that suicide is the shortest and swiftest road to hell known to man. And there is no getting out of hell after you once get in. 
A man who was in great mental anguish once came to me in Chicago. He told me that it seemed as if he must end his life. I told him what would be the certain consequence if he did, and then I pointed out a better way, the way of faith in Jesus Christ. A short time later I met that man again. His countenance was radiant. He had found rest in Jesus Christ. Impurity Impurity is sweeping more men, women, boys, and girls into utter destruction in this city than any other sin. Drunkenness claims but a small fraction of the many victims claimed by impurity. The spread of impurity in our land because of the war and the breakdown of parental restraint at home is appalling. Impurity also increases from lack of sound moral teaching and discipline in our schools and the general outbreak of lawlessness in all areas of our modern life. The sowing of the seeds of infidelity in schools, colleges, and even in Sunday schools and churches everywhere is alarming. The things I have personally known about the impurity in young and old and in all classes of society have made my heart sick and faint. I know some things about many of you in this audience tonight that you do not think I know. Some I know by your very looks. You bear the marks of your sin in your eyes, in your face, in your gait, and in your manner. Some things I know by direct testimony. Much of our Los Angeles life is festering with the sin of Sodom. Sins of impurity in their various forms are a swift and sure road to perdition. Impurity leads to perdition in many ways. First of all, impurity breeds unbelief in God in Christ and in the Bible. I have found by personal investigation that much of the unbelief of our day has its origin in impurity of life. Let me give you an example. A young student came to me and said that he was skeptical. I asked, Why are you skeptical? He replied that he had been reading philosophy and the study of philosophy had made him skeptical. Then I said, Is your life right? He hesitated. I followed it with, are you not living in sin? Then I named the sin I had in mind. He confessed it. I told him to quit his sin and then do certain other things, and he would find that his skepticism would find wings and fly away. He promised to do it. Some months passed. This young man came to me again, and I said to him, Where do you stand now? Just where I did, he replied. I asked, Why have you not gotten over your skepticism? I do not know, he said. Have you given up your sin as you promised to do? He dropped his head and answered, No. Well, I said, give up your sin and you will get rid of your skepticism. That's your trouble. He dropped his head lower and said, I guess it is. Yes, it was. And it is the trouble with a good many of you men and women here who flatter yourselves that your trouble is skepticism. No, with many of you, the real trouble is not skepticism. It is simply disgusting impurity of life. I say that in all kindness and for your own good. If I am correct, do not get angry at me, for I am your friend. Get angry at yourself, for you are your own worst enemy. Get angry at yourself and quit your sin. Professor W. W. White was once lecturing in Chicago on infidelity. 
A fine-looking, gray-haired man with a bright mind came up at the close of his lecture and said something like this. You are a Christian, and I am an infidel. I am just as sincere as you are, and you have no right to tell me I am not. Is your life pure? Professor White inquired in reply. Just as pure as yours, the man replied. Have you any objection to giving me your name? Professor White inquired. I want to look up your record. The man began to edge away and refused, saying that his name was none of Professor White's business. But Professor White secured his name from someone in the crowd, for he was one of the best-known infidels in Chicago, indeed one of the best-known infidels in America. In less than a year, this gifted infidel was found dead in a Boston hotel, side by side with a brilliant young woman, not his wife, whom he had led astray first into infidelity and then into adultery. Impurity makes more infidels than all the infidel books that were ever written. Mind you, I do not say all skeptics and infidels are impure, God forbid. But I do say that impurity makes many infidels. Now you know whether you are impure or not. If you are, and also an infidel or a skeptic, give up your sin and see how quickly you get rid of your soul-destroying infidelity. But impurity sends men and women to perdition in still another way. It entangles people in relationships that are hard to get out of, but that they cannot remain in and be saved. How many a poor, blinded fool of a man has become infatuated with some other man's wife and run away with her, only to wake up some day and see that both he and she were in hell now and on the way to an eternal hell hereafter. But what could he do? The man who trifles with another man's wife or trifles with another woman while he has a wife of his own is not only one of the vilest, most scoundrelly, most contemptible and abject sneaks and villains that walk the face of God's earth, but he is also one of the most complete fools. I dealt personally one night with a bright, intelligent young man. He was under deep conviction of sin. He told me he wanted to come to Christ. Well then, why don't you come? I asked. No answer. Then I looked steadily at him, and his story was revealed. Is there a woman in the case? I asked. Yes. Will you give her up? There was an awful struggle, a long struggle. But finally he shook his head and walked out to his companion, in sin and to hell. Hell will be crowded with adulterers and adulteresses. Hell will be more full of adulterers and adulteresses than Reno, Nevada. Some of you men here tonight may well tremble. I am not going to point you out, but God knows you. Oh, I appeal to every man and woman here who is taking their first steps on the path of impurity, and also to you who have gotten further on that road, and even to you who are way down that road. Repent, 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 and believe in Jesus Christ tonight. If you do, this will be the happiest night you ever saw. The Love of Money The next path to perdition is the love of money. God says, They that are minded to be rich fall into a temptation and a snare and many foolish and hurtful lusts, such as drown men in destruction and perdition. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 9 how many there are in Los Angeles who are taking this road to hell. 
go out to any of our finest avenues. How many saved men are there on it? Very few. Why? Their love of money keeps them from Christ. But the rich are not the only ones who desire to be rich. Many people in very moderate circumstances are as eager to be rich as the multimillionaire, only they have not been as successful in acquiring wealth. The love of money sends men to perdition in a variety of ways. First, the love of money leads to dishonest methods of acquiring money. A great many business methods of the present day are simply legalized robbery. Many rich men would have to pay back most of their money to the persons from whom they have stolen it if they were genuinely converted. Some try to get around this by giving away a part of their stealings to churches, colleges, hospitals, public libraries, various Christian organizations, and the poor. This may soothe their own consciences, but it will not satisfy God, and it will not keep them out of hell. Again, the consuming love for money blinds many men to the fact that there is anything worth striving for except money, so they leave their souls and their eternal interests utterly neglected. The average lover of money is seldom seen inside a church. There is a great deal more hope of awakening a man intoxicated with whiskey to the fact that he has a soul to save than there is of awakening a man intoxicated with the love of money. I would rather undertake the job of bringing a rum-soaked man to Christ than of bringing a money-soaked man to Christ. Then again, many who love money when they are awakened to the fact that they have a soul and that it is lost will not come to Christ for fear they will have to give their money up if they do. A man once came to Dr. MacArthur of New York and said, Dr. MacArthur, must I give up my money if I become a Christian? Dr. MacArthur replied wisely and said, If you become a Christian and Jesus Christ tells you to give up your money, you must be ready to give it up, every penny of it. The man answered, I will take a week to think about it. At the end of the week he came back and said, Dr. MacArthur, I have settled it. I will hold on to my money till death and if Christ and heaven must go, they must go. You may say that the man was a great fool. I grant it, but there are many others like him, some of them right here in this audience tonight, even if they aren't willing to say it. Love of Pleasure Love of pleasure is another path to perdition. Many people in this audience are rejecting Christ Jesus because they think that an acceptance of Christ would involve giving up many pleasures which they are extremely fond of, and very likely it would. Many young people are saying, I don't think a person can be a real Christian and dance, or go to the theater, or to the movies, or play cards. Well, I admit that I think there is a good deal of truth in what they say. Well then, they say, I will hold on to my dancing or theater or movies or whatever it may be and let Jesus Christ go. They would rather dance to hell than walk with a glad, spirit-filled heart to heaven. Alas, poor fools. When I was holding meetings in Nashville, Tennessee, there were four ladies' colleges in that city, and a great many of the students came to the meetings. I think all but three of the young women who were not already Christians in one of the colleges accepted Christ in those meetings, and all but two in another, and I think everyone in another. A large section of the Ryman Auditorium was reserved for them each night. 
One night, one of the colleges had a very large group of students present in one of the galleries to the left of the platform. When I gave the invitation, a large number of those young women rose and afterwards made a public confession of their acceptance of Christ. But one prominent young woman, one of the great social leaders of the college, said after she got back to the college, If I can't escape hell without giving up my dancing, then I choose to go to hell. It was an awful thing to say. And you may never put it as bluntly as that, but some of you are acting on that principle. I am glad to say that within a short time, that young woman changed her mind and accepted Christ. She became one of the great leaders in the work. I hope that some of you tonight will be equally sensible and change your minds. Infidelity Infidelity, or unfaithfulness, is another path to perdition. There is no hope for the unbeliever unless he gives up his infidelity. God tells us plainly that at the revelation of the Lord Jesus from heaven, with the angels of his power in flaming fire, rendering vengeance to them that know not God, and to them that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus, who shall suffer punishment, even eternal destruction, from the face of the Lord and from the glory of his might. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 7 through 9. And the Lord Jesus himself says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to the whole creation. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that disbelieveth shall be condemned. Mark chapter 16 verses 15 through 16. And we read again in John chapter 3 verse 36, authorized King James Version, that he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. There is not the slightest chance for an infidel. But you say, I cannot help being an infidel. Yes, you can. If you will come to me, I will show you how to help it. If you are really in earnest, I will show you a way, a way that will command itself to your own reason and conscience out of infidelity and into faith. I have shown it to many unbelievers, and it has never failed yet. One of the passages I quoted above, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7-9, through 9, tells us that it is not only the agnostic and infidel who is on the road to perdition, but also that all that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus shall suffer punishment, even eternal destruction, from the face of the Lord and from the glory of His might. There are many who, in their intellectual opinion about God and the Bible and Jesus Christ, are perfectly sound, but who are unbelievers in the biblical sense of unbelief, and every form of unbelief is a path to perdition. They obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus, and therefore, by the plain declaration of God's word, they are on the road to eternal destruction. What does it mean to obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus? The Greek word translated obey in this passage means, first of all, to listen or to hearken, and then it means to do what is the result of listening to a command, obey it. So, to obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ means to listen to the gospel, believe what it says, and do what it commands. What does the gospel say? Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 1 and verses 3 through 4 American Standard Version Now I make known unto you brethren the gospel which I preached unto you 
For I delivered unto you first of all that which also I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he hath been raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. That, then, is the gospel or good news. The gospel says first that Christ died for our sins. Believe that. Believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and trust God to forgive you because Jesus Christ died in your place. Secondly, the gospel says that Jesus Christ hath been raised on the third day. Believe that and trust this risen Savior, who has all power in heaven and on earth to deliver you from the power of sin. Then do what the gospel tells you to do. Confess Jesus Christ before the world. Paul puts it this way, Scripture, Because if thou shalt confess with thy mouth Jesus as Lord, and shalt believe in thy heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 through 10. Also, confess your renunciation of sin and your acceptance of Christ as your personal Savior by being baptized in His name. The refusal or neglect to obey the gospel by not believing what it says and by not doing what it commands leads to certain perdition. This same thought is found in John chapter 3, verse 36, authorized King James Version. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Reliance upon a mere profession of religion. Another path to perdition is reliance upon a mere profession of religion. Jesus Christ himself makes that very plain in the same chapter from which our text is taken. He says, Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy by thy name, and by thy name cast out demons, and by thy name do many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. A man may be a church member and still be on the straight road to hell. A man may have his name on the church rolls, either Protestant or Roman Catholic, be a church officer, be active in various church enterprises, and be a priest or a preacher, but if he has not been born again, he is not saved. If he has not obeyed the gospel, and accepted Christ Jesus as his personal Savior and Lord in such a real way that Christ is transforming him into his own image, that man is still unsaved and is on the road to perdition. He will spend eternity there unless he repents and accepts Jesus Christ with a living faith. O you who are building your hopes of heaven on the fact that you are members of a certain church, Roman Catholic, Methodist, Episcopal, Baptist, Presbyterian, or the Church of the Open Door. If that is all you have to build upon, you are on a path that ends in hell, and you may not be far from your destination. Putting off your acceptance of Jesus Christ Just one more path that leads to perdition is putting off your acceptance of Jesus Christ to some future time. Many of you know that the path you are now on leads to perdition, 
and you fully intend to get off that path sometime, but you say, not just yet, not tonight. My friend, that path of delay is one of the shortest roads to hell, and one of the most crowded. More people go to hell by that road than by almost any other. I suppose that more people in the past who sat in this building, but who are in perdition tonight, went by this path of putting off, putting off, and putting off a decision than by any other road. If we were to go into the world of those who have died without Christ, and ask the people who once lived in this city how they got to that dark world where they now exist, I suppose the great majority would say, I got here by putting off accepting Jesus Christ. That is what many of you are doing now. You are saying, I will accept Christ sometime, but not tonight. Listen to what God says. Scripture, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 1. He that being often reproved, hardeneth his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 1. An active Christian young man some years ago was urging a friend to accept Christ. Oh no, he said, I like to go to the theater. I love to hear Nat Goodwin and some other players. I won't become a Christian yet. The young man urged him to decide for Christ at once and told his friend that there was great peril in delay. In a few days, the man who refused to accept Christ at once was not at his place of business, and the Christian young man called on him. There seemed to be nothing very serious the matter with him. He had injured his leg slightly, and still he put off accepting Christ. In a few days, the Christian young man was horrified to learn that his friend was dead. Delay had done its work. Delay had sent another soul to perdition. Oh, you say, Dr. Tory, don't try to frighten us. Listen, I would much rather be frightened into heaven than laughed into hell. Let me reason with you. Let me talk to you as intelligent men and women. Quit right now all these paths that lead to perdition and get on the narrow road that leads to eternal life right now. Take Jesus Christ tonight. He says, and he tells the truth when he says it, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one cometh unto the Father but by me. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus Christ is the road, and he is the only road to salvation, to sonship, and to eternal life. Will you take that road now by taking him?